Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. I'm Greg DeVries, pastor at The Well Scottsboro, and I'm grateful that you've decided to listen to this podcast. I hope that this word uplifts you and encourages you wherever you are. Stay with me for a few moments after the sermon. I would like to pray with you. I trust you'll be blessed by the word of God. Well, would you get your Bible out this morning? I'm excited to be able to bring the word to you uh, here. And we're going to declare a few things before we get going. This morning, the message, I couldn't wrestle with it, so I gave it two titles. One, to be fulfilled, and two, to be continued. Uh, have you ever been in one of those TV series, you know, you're watching something, and you're like, this is getting so good, and you realize there's no way they can finish this in the last 30 seconds of this episode, and then that to be continued comes up, dot, 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 right? Well, that's the word of God. It's so good. It, it can't be finished in just this moment. And, and, and those who continue in the word of God will become his disciples and they will know the truth and the truth will make them free. Do you realize you can get freer than you are right now? I desire to be more free than him. And I'm not just talking about from, from really bad, ugly, and gross things. He can deliver you from those. If you don't believe me, come talk to me. I'll tell you my testimony and tell you where I was. But the reality is you can get freer and freer. You can love more freely. You can walk more freely. You can be more truthful. You can, there's so much you can grow in. So you got your Bible out? Say this with me. Say, this is my Bible. It was written for me, for my correction, for my direction, and my soon coming resurrection. I'm going to be who it says I can be. Oh Lord, be it unto me according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Three weeks ago, from today on Sunday, I announced as a church, let's read the book of John together, a chapter a day. And I hope you were able to join in on that. I hope you were able to uh, uh, be a part of that. It's been great for me. It's been great for uh, Gretchen and I. It's been great for our family. It's been great for those that I get to see on a regular basis. It's very amazing to me that how, how faith-building systematic reading can be. Because you're really not looking for something special. It's allowing him to meet you where you are. He starts to speak to you. He starts to encourage you and to build you up. And you're like, oh, my goodness, that is so crazy. Then it just spoke that specifically in that time of your life. So in that time of reading, I hope you experience that also. hope that you found the Lord speaking to you and communicating to you. Uh, so in the three weeks ago, I shared a message out of Matthew uh, 22 and verse 9. It says, Jesus answered and said to them, you are mistaken. You are mistaken not knowing the scriptures and the power of God. Now, that, that's a, a real interesting statement. Jesus is, is implying a lot. He's, he's, he's making an inference and a reference there. He's saying, look, you're mistaken, but I'm telling you why you're mistaken. And I said something a few weeks ago, eternity is too long to be wrong. And when it comes to eternity, there's either or. There's this or that. There's heaven or there's hell. And I don't know what I'm going to get to in the next few weeks, but I'm going to preach two sermons, two totally different sermons with the same sermon title, for real. Heaven is for real and hell is for real. And it's amazing how, how chaotic and how uh, bewildering and just how, how crazy life can get. And there's really only two things that should line up in the decision-making we make in life, whether I'm going to go to heaven or whether I'm going to go to hell. Yeah. 
Because right now you're on a path. Right now I'm on a path. We're on the path. The church, the world is on a path. And that path is going to end up for each and every person, person, either in heaven or in hell. Bottom line. That's where it's going to go. And so that ought to kind of make us more mindful of what could keep us from it or what could get us to it. But Jesus said, you're mistaken. I would not want to get to the judgment day, to the return of Jesus Christ and find out I was mistaken. Gretchen and I are having a little conversation. I don't get to do this often, but we're having a little conversation last night. We were, we were looking at something and, and, and about the life of Mylon Lefevre, who just passed away not long ago, and, and we're talking about some things, and, and, and they introduced this person, and I said, oh, that guy's from such and such band. She says, no, he's not. He's from this one. I thought, I said, he's, Gretchen was mistaken. I was right. I was right. And, and it feels so good to be right. Especially when it's in a conversation with Gretchen. Because usually I'm mistaken on things like that. But the reality is you don't want to be mistaken. But he said you could be prevented. You could prevent being mistaken by knowing the scripture. By literally knowing the scripture. I remember some years ago, I was teaching not long from, not far from here, a, a group of youth, and, and it was an early church, they're in the early stages of their planting, they asked me to come to do a summer night with their teenagers, and, and I was quoting scriptures, and I had Spencer with me, and I had Stuart with me, and they were respectively maybe uh, six and five years old, and I told them, I said, boys, I said, after this thing, go with daddy, and, and it's going to be up in the mountain, it's going to be up in, in Mentoneer, and I said, we will go bear hunting. You and I will go bear hunting after this. And I built this for weeks and for weeks and for weeks. And this is before Stuart was as big as a bear. And so where we're going up there, and we had this knife that a friend had made me with this really nice nickel-plated bud and this, this uh, African wood handle and this, this 12, 312 beat steel or whatever it was, and, and they were all excited. And we took, we'd look at it almost every night after family devotions, and they're like, we're going bear hunting. We're going bear hunting, you know? And so we got up there. But the thing that got me the most was not the same thing that got them the most. What got them the most was that after the service was over, they're ready to go bear. Now, they're a little nervous. They're a little scared, you know. And I turned around, and I pulled out a bag of gummy bears, and I stabbed one with that knife. I said, boys, we got us some bears. They were so happy that we did not have to go bear hunting. And so was I. But I stood in front of the teenagers and I would quote a scripture and leave it kind of like you fill in the blank or you finish it. Things like, for God so loved the world. <laughs> Good. Some of y'all waited for some to start. You're like, what world? You know, you caught into it. That simple. Yeah. Nobody knew it. But my six-year-old and my five-year-old, nobody knew it. And I would quote other things and they, they had no concept of the scripture. I will say to you this day, that was the early stage of that church. They have teenagers in that church that know the word of God. They have children in that church that know the word of God. They have senior adults in that church that know the word of God. They are built around the word of God. I was just part of that, part of that structure, part of that plan, part of that to get there. And I'm part of yours. Yeah. You don't just need a preacher who knows the word. You need to know the word of God. I want you to, to really, literally fall in love with the word of God because the word of God is much more than just a book. 
It's much more than 66 books that, that consist of this book. It is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and that same Word created. Nothing was made without Him. And He became light to men in a dark world. That's the Word of God. And we need to fall in love with the Word of God. We need to know the Scripture. So those three weeks ago, saying that, the concern was we don't want to be mistaken. And so selected was the book of John. And in the book of John, 11 times, John makes reference to Scripture. There are some books in the Bible you would not see the word Scripture, but yet it's still Scripture. But in here, even though it's all scripture, and I don't even know if John knew that he was being recorded. I don't know if John even knew that his book was going to be one of the gospels. I don't think he wasn't doing it out of aspiration. He was doing it out of dedication. And so he's writing this, but somewhere along the line, maybe he thought that his, his children or his children's children or somebody might pick up his diary and read it someday. And he wanted them to know something. Scripture is important. He didn't even know he was writing scripture. Matter of fact, he had no knowledge that, that the book of Revelation would be the last book of the Bible. And John wrote the book of Revelation also in a scripture. But in the midst of this understanding and knowing a little bit about John, John was, was an intimate one. John was the beloved. He had, a, he had a very intimate and a very personal relationship with Jesus. He knew him personally, but yet he honored the scripture. And John not only had an intimate relationship, he was one that was given to revelation. He had a very spiritual, a very prophetic relationship. I know a lot of prophetic people who love the prophetic camp who don't know scripture. I know people who are wrestling with prophecies they got here and prophecies they got over there and trying to figure out how they're so polar different, how they could ever make them out be the same, and then choosing which one is it, and they're confused because they don't know the scripture. Uh, John really realized and didn't put the emphasis as much on the revelation and on the prophetic flow, but he put an emphasis 11 times, he stated, and I couldn't even count how many times he made reference to the Old Testament, to the written word, and to the word himself, and what was being said, but he put an emphasis of knowing the word, knowing the scripture. It's important to know the scriptures so you won't be mistaken Matter of fact, the Bible teaches us, and Hosea says, for the lack of knowledge, some people are destroyed. Some people make bad decisions, and that decision destroys their life. It destroys their finances. It destroys their marriage. It destroys things. And because they didn't have a pastor right there, because they didn't have a prophecy right there, no, because they didn't know the word. They didn't know scripture. And if we would learn to stand on scripture and it doesn't change, it doesn't waver, it's established, it becomes a, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our heart, and we hide it in our hearts and, and it gets written inside of our hearts that we might not sin against them. How important is it to know scripture? So interesting how much he highlights, stresses the importance of scripture. You read it this week. You went through it and you saw it and it's in there. Scripture, the Greek definition, or the Greek word is graphe, is meaning is straightforward, straightforward. It is writing something that is written. It's a writing and something that is written. That's scripture. 
The Greek firm, form of that word is grapho, which means to write. You know, there were scribes, but not all things written are anointed. It's what's written about Jesus or from Jesus, although he didn't write it. The only thing he wrote, we don't know exactly what he wrote. He knelt down and, and wrote in the sand. But I'm sure it brought them some knowledge and they realized they're not without sin. You see, they knew a scripture when Jesus wrote something. He said, you without sin, you cast the first stone. The only person on scene who could have cast a stone was Jesus. The power of scripture protected, drove back the power of accusation. Listen to me. If you know the scripture and you know the word of God and you know the word who is God, I don't care what demon of hell, I don't care Satan himself, I don't care whosoever, if they accuse you, you know the truth and you won't be moved. You can stand on the word of God. This is so simple. Maybe it's too simple. But to see the sheer foundation of the word of God, you step and stand on it every day of your life. Although our feet underneath our feet or the feet of our seats right now is concrete, underneath that is the earth he created. And the concrete you use were things that he created, the dust of the earth and the water and how those things come together. But when he said, let there be, you're still standing on that word of the world that are underneath your feet. You can stand on the word of God. It is a sure foundation. Amen. So in our readings, he made 11 references. John chapter one, verse 43 through 45 is not one of those. It's not one of those, but this is a reference that is important for us to know. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him. We have found him. Now notice Jesus found Philip, but Philip discovers something in that moment. Philip finds something. And Philip said, we have found him of whom Moses in the law, which is written, and also the prophets, which are written, wrote Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. So they found, they knew who Jesus was because they knew the written word. And listen, this isn't just some new covenant thing. This isn't some newfangled thing. This has been established from the very get-go in the very beginning. God thought it was so important. He revealed it to Moses, books that he didn't even live in, like Genesis, and he wasn't born until Exodus, but God told him the story and said, write it down, son. The things that were written and all, written and all those prophets, all they wrote about the coming of Jesus, the fulfillment of the word. And they knew him because they knew the word. So important to know the word of God. In John chapter 20, picking up in verse one, he said, we have found him to find something. You have to seek for something. One of my children are looking for their keys this very day and they have to look around. They will not find them until they look for them. Amen. You have to look for things that are, that need to be found. 
Now, John chapter 20, verse 1. Now, the first day of the week, that would be a day like today, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it's still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away. Now, what jumps out to me in that verse? She was seeking the fulfillment of what he said and what was written about him. No, you need to understand. Jesus told them that I will rise on the third day. Jesus told him, and then the very first thing she does is get up and go looking for Jesus. She goes to find Jesus. I want to exhort you. I want to encourage you. Your life will be so much better off. It'll be so much more controlled and confined and protected and refined in your life. If you will put the word of God first in your life, if you will seek him first. So they said, we found him. That, that is my desire for you. That is my desire for us. That is my desire for my family. That is my desire to anybody that I teach or train or disciple or preach to is that they would find Jesus. And that's my hopes for us is that we would find Jesus. And so they found him of whom it was written. So the writings are here to help you find him. Draw me close to you. Help me know that you are near. There's only one way better to sing that song. Help me know that you're here. Help me know that you're here. And the Bible will help you know that he's here. The Bible will help you to know that he's near. This is for your benefit. This is for your help. And so that you will not be lacking in knowledge. In the first one of the 11, they believed the scripture. In John 2.22, it says, Therefore, when he had risen from the dead... His disciples remembered that he had said this to them and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus said. So they're having an encounter, encounters with Jesus, discoveries with Jesus can bring you into revelation and knowledge of words that have already been written and words that were already spoken. So you want to keep seeking Jesus. I'm going to show you in just a moment, just studying scripture is not sufficient in and of itself. Uh, you, you need to follow the life of Jesus. You need to make a commitment. You need to have a, a daily commitment. I'm going to find Jesus. I'm going to know Jesus for myself. My family's going to know Jesus. My, my neighborhood's going to know Jesus. My city's going to know Jesus. And, and you start by seeking him and looking for him just out of the desire of your heart. So, so they believe the scripture and the word because now everything that was said had been performed. He will fulfill the words that he speaks. So scripture is not sufficient in and of itself. One must know Christ. Now this passage of scripture is a little bit longer, but I need to, to lay it out to get to the point of what's happening here. In John chapter five, we're going through the book of John. 11 times John made reference to scripture and how important it is. He said, John, Jesus said, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. He said, there is another who bears witness of me, and I know that witness which he witnesses of me is true. He's talking about John the Baptist bears witness of Jesus, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness about the voice of the word of God. You have sent to John, and he has borne witness to truth. Yet I do not receive testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. He was the burning and shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. But I have greater witness than John's for the works, works which the Father has given me to finish. The very works that I do bear witness of me. So he's saying what he does will bear witness of who he is. And that the Father has sent me. 
And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. But you do not have his word abiding in you. Did you hear that? But you do not have his word abiding in you. You can't just glean from and look at. You need to allow the word to come into you. You don't have the word abiding in you. Because whom he sent, him you do not believe. So he's saying, you're seeing me and I'm the fulfillment of that word, but you don't believe me. Because you don't know the written word. Because you don't know the words that have been spoken about me. You have not understood those. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. You can't just have a a Bible relationship with Jesus. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Are you with me? Scripture will help you to know him. Seeing him will help you to, re- to believe more in the scripture, but you can't just search a scripture and think, if I just daily read the Bible, that everything's going to be all right. That word must be abiding in you. Listen to me. The word must be living in you, and you must be living the word. This is why we say around here, get in the word until the word gets in you, okay? He said, I do not receive honor from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. Friends, there are people that can read the Bible and read it only to hate people. Read it to prove that they're more religious and they're more justified because of what they do to go to heaven than you. You have to be very careful that you don't just say, oh, it's just about reading the word and I know the word and I can quote it. I can quote it. I've I've met people before that have photographic memories and they can read a literal paragraph and quote you back the paragraph word for word, but they're begging for bread. He said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor even his seed begging for bread. He said, I've come in my father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him, you will receive How can you believe who receive honor from another and do not seek the honor that comes from God only? Do not think that I shall accuse you to my father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. So he's going back now to the written law and what was laid out there. He said, you're going to be judged according to that. For if you believe Moses, you would have believed me. For he wrote about me. For he wrote about me. You didn't really believe what Moses wrote. You believe the rules and regulations, but you didn't believe the coming revelation. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? So Jesus is saying, look, I'm not just coming over here saying something brand new and saying something nobody's ever said before. Everything that I'm saying has a testimony prior to it, and it bears witness to it. So I'm not just on my own. I'm coming to fulfill the law and the prophets. So Jesus is knowing the word. He's quoting back to these guys. You don't believe me. You don't know what Moses wrote about me. Jesus knew what was written about himself. He lived this way. We ought to live this way. Are you with me? Knowing the word. Are you with me? Okay. Number three. In John chapter 7. We pick up and we see that, that he has another statement about Scripture in the mystery. It's in verse 37, where John is making this, this connection to Scripture. And he says this. On the last day, that great day of feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, 
let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said. So now Jesus is making connection. There's a divine connection. He said, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. There are so many scriptural references to this. The word establishes this. But Jesus says, if you believed in me, according to what was written about me, then you'd believe what was written about you. Now You're not snagging. You're not grabbing right now. There's not a pole in the house that needs to be right now. Because it puts responsibility on us to know the scripture. You say, help me. Join Excel. Said, help me. You know, we will do whatever we can to get in precepts. Do anything you can to learn the word of God. Okay. But Jesus just said, if you believe the scriptures, you would have believed me. And if you believe the scriptures about me, you'd believe the scriptures about you. He said, when you get saved, that there would come wells of living water will start to well up inside of you. He's saying that you'll bring life like I brought life to you because everything lives where the river flows. So it's a connection and extension of the life of Jesus. What a promise. So we see that knowing scripture connects us to knowing his promises for our life. Number four, again in John chapter seven, picking up in verse 40. Therefore, many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, they said, truly, this is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. He's not just another prophet. He is the Christ. There's only one Christ and there's many prophets. But some said, will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the scriptures said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem? Where, now, if you know the scripture, you wouldn't go, uh, yeah, so... No, you would know he was born in Bethlehem. You would know in Micah that it talks about him being born in Bethlehem. You would know that Jesus even himself said that he is, he is the seed and the offspring of David. You would know that the scripture says of David's house, of his lineage, there was to be somebody who sits on the throne forever. We have a mindset that that would be a Republican or a Democrat or, or somebody politically aligned. No, 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 no. It's Jesus. He's on the throne, friends. He was in the beginning. He created David. David was not created without Jesus, without the word of God. And all those words that David learned, he was learning Jesus. And then Jesus becomes the offspring. He was in the very lineage, according to Matthew chapter 1. He was in the lifeline of of Jesus. Jesus was in David's lifeline. The word all lines up together. Therefore, many in the crowd... He said, has not the scripture said that Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Beth? Yes, it has. So there, because the scripture says it, yes, it agrees it. Sometimes you'll read some things and say, I want to believe that. And then you can realize and go, oh, I can't believe it because it's written. It, it was tested and proved. It has stood the test. Amen. Oh, I hope we become a church that loves the word of God. Here's a cool thing about scripture. It can't be broken. I don't have time to go into all this. But Jesus was on the cross 
and the, the, the nature of crucifixion and even says this in scripture was at the very end to make sure the day had gotten long and, and to make sure it was hard for them to kill eternity <laughs> and to make sure that, that everybody did, they would go by and they'd take a bat and they'd break their legs and, and that last source of pain and agony would, 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 would kill them, would, would just be the piercing that killed them. But they didn't have to do that with Jesus, but instead they went ahead and, and pierced him with a spear and, and blood and water immediately rushed out of him, came out of him. And so Jesus was not broken. And the Bible said not one of his bones would be broken. He was dislocated, but not a bone would be broken. And so scripture is being fulfilled. You can wrap yourself around this and, and knowing this stuff, the devil will be furious because, because he knows that he can trick people in the word. And that's what he tried to do with Jesus was trick him in the word and the written word there because Jesus knew the word of God. He knew what was written. He knew what was written. He knew that it even speaks. Listen to me, friends. It's not going to get easier out there. How do I know? Well, I, simply because there's going to be inflation. Prices are going to go up. And that's the number one thing that gets people, that's the number one thing that causes divorces. It's the number one thing that causes addictions. Because you try to buy something that's going to last you more than the money make you happy and last in it, and people are going to be going. And just because of financial situations, but the Bible tells us, the scriptures tells us, it's going to get worse and worse out there. But not for us. It doesn't have to for us. If you know the promises, you know the truth, you know the pavilion, you know the shield, you know all the things, what the word of God can do to your faith, and that faith can move mountains and all these things it can do, you're going to be okay. But you have to know the word. Listen to me. You have to know the word. I'll say it like I say it sometimes. It might be the last time you and I ever talk. I don't know why, but you need to know the word. Amen. Scripture cannot be broken. And in John chapter 10, verses 34, and a few verses following that, Jesus is talking and he says, he answered them, is it not written in your law? I said, you are God's. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken. The word can't be broken. Jesus wasn't broken. The word can't be broken. It is what it is. Listen, th th listen, Daniel 7, 25, it says that the laws and times, they will change them and change them and try to confuse us. And that's going on all the time right now. In the midst of this lawlessness, they change the law and they change this and they change that. And they're just trying to confuse. That's the work of the devil. Jesus said, I'm not going to change my word. My word is established. My word is forever. My word is true. It will not lie to you. It will not fail you. Come on. Somebody ought to say amen. Well, we, we, we need to honor the word of God. We need to love the word of God, not the preacher. The word that's being preached. That's one of the biggest problems we have today. We love preachers more than the word that's being preached. God help us. He said, this is not written. Scripture cannot be, he said, do you say to him of whom the father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the son of God. If I do not do the works of my father, do not believe me. He said, you don't have to believe me. If I don't do what my father's doing, you don't have to believe me. He said, but if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the father is in me and I in him. Therefore they sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of the hand. You, you know, it, it's, it's, it's heavy on my heart. It, it's, it's trying on my heart. When I see unresponsiveness 
it makes me tend to believe there could be some irresponsibility. Usually what we respond to will take on responsibility of. And I'm beseeching you. I'm begging you from the very nth of who I am, of what I've been called to do, to read the word of God, to study the word of God, not to prove people wrong and you right, but to know him, to trust him, to believe him, and to receive the promises he has for your life. I, I beseech you. It's, it's, a, it's a scriptural word. I beg you, as Paul would. Scripture is meant to be fulfilled. There are some things that aren't fulfilled in people's lives because they don't know the scripture. There are some things people start to pray and, and they go to pray for a certain thing and, they, and then they stop and they get discouraged and they get disappointed and they think it's not for them because they don't know a scripture to go with it. Some people do pray amiss because they don't know a scripture to go with it. Oh, to have the word of God. To have the word of God and to know the word of God was like being able to stand right there when nobody else can see it, but you know it. You know it's there. Have you ever been in one of those situations? You have a friend, you have a relative or somebody, or maybe you're a teacher, maybe you're, you're an employer and you know something and there's something you know and you just know that it works and nobody around you can see it and you have to just step into it and not until you step into it do they know it can work, right? Jesus is that way. In John chapter 13, you can tell people that you went through the whole book of John in one day, be caught up with us. Verse 18, Jesus is identifying as betrayer. So not only will the word of God identify who Jesus is, it'll identify who his followers are and also identify who his opposers are. So the word of God has this way of being a mirror in your life, the royal look into the mirror into the royal law of scripture. And you look into it and it starts to tell you who you are. That's why we hold the Bible up and say, this is my Bible. I am who it says I am. And then we have to put in that clause in there. I'm going to be who it says I can be because sometimes we aren't who it says we are. But we need to know we can be who it says we can be. The word of God is your friend. It's your friend. It's a necessity. It's not a decoration in a bookcase. But it'll identify you. There's times I read the word of God and I go, oh, man. Oh, man. Craig, you look terrible today. That's not right. Your heart's wrong. Your mind's wrong. See, we try to be mind readers and we're people. We are where we are with people and what people's there. Let it alone. This is living. It's powerful. It's sharp. It'll take care of your soul. Listen, anybody who's go through soul battles, you haven't been in the Bible long enough. And if you go through the scripture right, your soul won't be troubled by the people. Well, how can you say that? Do you know my Jesus? Oh, the things they said to him. The things they were positioned to do to him. And he just walked right through it. And you know the weird thing is? He still loved them. I go to this one often because I think it's a time we live in. Judas, the one who he identifies as betrayer. That's where we're going right around. And, and Judas comes in the garden. And he comes up to kiss Jesus on the cheek. See, I even said that with a little bit of attitude. I'm still like. 
There's still more of me needs to come a little bit more like Jesus. I know, not much. I know. I, I hear you. This guy's saying, you ain't worth 30 pieces of silver. This guy was just pointed out at a dinner saying, my man, you're getting ready to make a bad plan. Don't do this. And Jesus turns to him and says, friend, friend, why have you come? I think at that moment he could have confessed, could have fallen to his knees, could have wept other than scripture needed to be fulfilled. So in John 13, in verse 18, Jesus says, I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I've chosen, but, the script, but that scripture may be fulfilled. That scripture may be fulfilled. I've, I've heard people before wrestle with and then they get confused. I, I, don't, think, I don't think God's gonna send anybody to hell. And I'll tell you the truth, God doesn't send anybody to hell. People send themselves to help. He sent his son. That's what he sent. And people start arguing about what God sent and where he's sending people. No, he sent his son. He sent his son. But the reality is that some people uh, will get confused in these moments. He said, I do not speak concerning you, but that some scripture may be fulfilled. You can't argue with scripture. I've heard people say before and ask me the question, pastor, daddy, can the devil get saved? No. No. Why? Because according to scripture, he's bound and destined to hell. His judgment has already been pronounced upon his life. It's done. You don't have to try to win the devil to, to, to the Lord. Now, some people are bummed out. It's like, that's why I've been going to the bar still. Why are you going to the bars? Well, you know, that's where I find the devil and I'm trying to witness to him. It ain't gonna work. He's deceived you. He's hoodwinked you. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before, so listen, not just knowing scripture is enough and not just hanging out around Jesus or Jesus' people is enough. You see, you need to know the scripture that will cause you to know whether you're a betrayer or whether you're befriending Jesus, amen? The scripture will give you perspective in the midst of it. Uh, let, let me just say this. The roll up yonder might be different than the roll down yonder. Just because, uh, you didn't get that. It's amazing. I mean, some people don't even go to a church anymore and they're still fighting that they're on the roll. I'm just telling you because the church says you can be on a roll in our membership, whether that's at the well or anywhere, is not sufficient of itself. He said, I know whom I've chosen. This guy sat with others. He ate bread with me, but he lifted up his heel against me. And now I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Most assuredly, I say it to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me is him who sent me. So Jesus said the scripture will speak fulfillment of prophecies over Judas's life. John chapter 17, number seven. It shows again fulfillment. John is writing this book and as he's getting deeper and deeper in his book, he starts realizing, oh my goodness, he's having a deeper revelation. All this stuff gets fulfilled. Everything he said and everything that's written about him and the things I'm writing right now, they're all true. They're all literally true. 
They're, they're tested and proven. In John 17, 12, it says as such, let's pick up verse 11. Now I'm no longer in the world, but these are in the world and I come to you. Holy Father, keep them through those whom you have given me that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. To those whom you have given me, I've kept. None of them is lost except the son of perdition that scripture might be fulfilled. Scripture establishes, listen, I'm trying to break something. I'm breaking the concept of universalism. There are many people who think, well, everybody's going to go to heaven. No, that's not true. The son of perdition is not going to heaven. Satan is not going to heaven. Scripture has to be fulfilled. Which side of scripture of fulfillment are you going to be on? That's, that's, our, that's our, our choice. You start reading through here and you start to, to realize I, I have the right to choose. The other day I was in uh, uh, Columbia, Tennessee, and I had the wonderful opportunity to go out and have lunch with uh, pastors Nate and Holly Cunningham. And I think it's October 22nd is when they opened the doors of the, the river in Columbia, which is directly out of the well. Uh, but there was already a church named the well there, but they're going to be passionate. They'll be here for our revision conference. We'll love on them and bless them. But we went somewhere to a restaurant called Buck and Board. I thought, man, that sounded, mm. it wasn't, mm. it was not. <laughs> After we prayed, I made Nate knuckle bump me. I said, Nate, we're the only two men in this place. It was a, a charcuterie restaurant. <laughs> yeah, it was. I hadn't told you about it yet, have It's going to be a secret. They had sandwiches too. Not foot long, not six inch long. I mean, they're like dainty bites. Enjoy your bites. And I said, Holly, what do you think? She said, I can't wait to bring Liz here. I thought, like, okay. Yeah. I get it. But what I did like is I could pick what I wanted to eat. I could go through there and I don't know why they put pistachios on there. I have no clue. Just covering space, I guess. I don't know. But I could pick a, 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 a cranberry thing. I could pick an olive. I could pick a grape. I could pick a whatever. You know, when you're reading the scripture, you can pick out too. I'm going to pick to believe him. I'm going to pick heaven. I'm not going to pick hell. I'm not going to pick betrayal. I'm not. You get to pick out. It's the ultimate charcuterie. It's the, it's the ultimate buck and board. You can feast off of this book. You can make choices. If you don't like it, you don't have to take it. You don't have to go there. Fulfilled. Again, emphasizing. In John chapter 19, John is serious about this word stuff, isn't he? And so are we. In John chapter 19, we'll pick up in verse uh, 24, the 24th uh, uh, verse. Now you're in the whole aspect of, of his crucifixion, him being put on the cross and all the things that he's going through. In John 19, I think I wrote down the wrong verse. Where's that, babe? I'm there? 24? 1924. I am there. Oh, it starts way up there. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it. Whose it shall be? 
that the scripture might be fulfilled. Y'all, this is getting crazy. There are people down at the bottom of the cross saying, let's, let's roll some die. Let's shoot some craps. Let's gamble over this, guys. Let's have a little fun underneath the cross. And we'll see whose it is. And they're doing all this crazy stuff because the scripture said they're going to do it. It already said. This is what they're going to do. Prophetically. Now, I want to start pointing out the prophetic aspect. But the scripture gets fulfilled. Whatever he said will be fulfilled. You can't change it. I find people doing everything they can, putting more emphasis on saving a nation instead of saving souls. The number one commodity of a nation is people. And we need to put our passion into preaching, our passion into witnessing, our passion passion into teaching, our passion into praying for a people. That's what needs to be saved. Some people believe that. Could you imagine all scripture being fulfilled? It's going to be because all scripture is prophetic. It's not just written, friends. It still speaks. The word of God is alive. It's quick. It's powerful. It's sharp. And they divided my garments among them and my clothings. They cast lots. Therefore, the soldiers did these things. John chapter 19, moving to verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that all those scriptures had been and were being fulfilled, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said one last thing. He said, I thirst. Well, wait, this is the same Jesus that stood at a feast in John chapter 7 and said, if anybody's thirsty, let him come drink from me. And now he's going, oh, I'm thirsty. In other words, people probably said, he's broke, he's dry, he's run dry. How'd that work for you, Jesus? Why don't you spin over to Psalm twenty-two, fifteen? Why don't you go back a few thousand years and see if the word of God isn't true and see if the word of God doesn't stand and see if the word of God doesn't speak. And David is having this revelation and he's having this experience on the cross and he's seeing the death of Jesus and he speaks on behalf of Jesus and my strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue clings to my jaws and you have brought me to the dust of death. He was thirsty. Dried up on the cross. So that scripture might be fulfilled. Staying in John 19 and verse 36. For these things were done that scripture should be fulfilled. All the piercing of his side and it's where they didn't break his legs that we spoke of earlier. The scripture says, not one of his bones shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, they should look on him whom they pierced. Oh, that that day would come. I want to declare the peace of Jerusalem. Their peace will be when they look at the one who was pierced. That's when they will find the peace that they haven't been able to find. And that's why God needed people to pray for the peace of Jerusalem because their eyes were shut. 
because they're not open to the scriptures of today to see the fulfillment of the scriptures of yesterday. They don't even think some of those prophecies in the Old Testament are fulfilled because they haven't read the New Testament. Some of these things have already been fulfilled. And when they see him and they look to Jesus, they will find peace. They'll find hope for their hearts and for their weary souls. And so will we, knowing the scripture. John chapter 20, picking up in verse 9. We'll go to verse 6. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there and the handkerchief and that had been around his head and not lying with the linen clothes but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came in to the tomb first went in also and saw and believed for yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead then the disciples went away again to their own homes let me start to wrap this here Uh, Andrew you can join me when you get a chance Pastor Joel in Brooklyn had a baby a couple days ago little Gable and they're, they're doing well congratulations Regina Um, what this is saying is when they got to the tomb these three and a half years with him these previous 4,000 years everything is being fulfilled even when they get to the tomb and they look in there and Jesus isn't there he's gone some of them think someone took him where did you take my Jesus they get to the tomb and they're seeing everything around. Uh, they did not yet know. There's some scriptures you don't know yet until you seek deeper, until you follow closer. You need to hear me. There's still things to be fulfilled in our lives and in the church, not bucket lists. Not dream vacays. Not photo sessions in some foreign country. If that fits into your life, just count it an extra. Not opposed to those. But scripture needs to be fulfilled. We need to know the scripture. There's scripture that is prophetic foundation to your life. Some of you need healing. Scripture says you are healed. By by his stripes, you are the healed of the Lord. Scripture says he sent his word to heal our disease. Some of you need deliverance. He's broken every chain. He's forgiven you of every sin. You can have freedom in Jesus. They not yet knew the scripture, but then the scripture became real to them when they found him not there think about Jesus in Luke chapter 4 Jesus is at church like you are right now and they said anybody want to read today's reading and systematic reading got up and Jesus scrolls out and he finds where it says the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me he has anointed me and he goes on through the whole passage of scripture there and everybody's gazing just looking at him And Jesus said, today, this scripture 
has been fulfilled in your ears and in your seeing. Today, it's fulfilled. The Word of God will fulfill your life. The Word of God will support revelation to you. The Word of of God will give you knowledge to where you will not be destroyed. The Word of God will will accompany your, your promises in your life. Oh, to know the Word of God. In Romans 16, 26, as you stand to your feet, Paul's closing out is what is known as the greatest expository writing of mankind. Somebody told me one time, a young guy, he was in excitement. He said, uh, He said, man, he said, I'm so excited that you're coming to our church. He said, he said, you are, you are, uh, you're one of my two top favorite expository preachers. And I thought, what is that? What is that? I mean, I'd heard it before, but I never really went and looked into it. It's just line upon line, precepts upon precepts. It's just, it's going through the scripture one line after another and breaking down words and breaking things out. think I'm one of the greatest. He he needs to know some other preachers. Definitely. But listen to the scripture. Verse 25 of Romans 16. And this this is the greatest expository writing there is. That should give a little credit to you. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel. Listen to me. If your life is wavering, tossing to and fro, you're easily knocked over, your faith is down, it's up over there, uh, you need to get your life established by the gospel. The gospel will establish your life. He says, now to him who is able to establish you, notice here that the gospel connected to him will establish you. You gotta have Jesus in your gospel and your gospel has to be about Jesus. You need relation with Jesus and with the gospel to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. You need to be around people who preach Jesus, the Christ. According to the revelation of the mystery, kept the secret since the world began, but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures. By the prophetic scriptures. Paul is one of those also. He came into a moment with Jesus when he was Saul. He knew scripture. He knew writings. He knew the the law. He knew the writing of Moses there, but he didn't understand the prophetic aspect of it. But then when he met the word and he heard the word, listen to me, you don't want to just know the logos. You need to know the rhema word of God. You need to know the spoken word of God. You need to know his voice. Listen to me. The word still speaks. You say, yeah, but I haven't heard this this audible. I haven't heard this volume there. I'm not saying that doesn't exist. I know that it does. But what I'm saying to you is the word of God, the scriptures are prophetic. They bring revelation. They, They allow you to hear his voice. They allow you can ask him, God, what do you think about me? And you read the scripture tomorrow and you go, me? You're saying that to me? Oh, let them blow you away. 
Let him knock your socks off. Let him build you up and strengthen you. He wants to make you stronger. But now made manifest by the prophetic scriptures. Scriptures come alive. They perform. They come into activity. Uh, don't, just, don't just hold on to your own words. Hold on to his words. According to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. Let me say this to you. Don't be a hearer only. Be a doer of the word. Did you hear, Pastor Greg? Listen to me. Don't just read it and not believe it. Don't just hear it and not do it. Don't sit back and say, okay, there it is. Now I'm going to prove you on this. Now, come on, come on, speak to me. Come on up here. And where's it? No, 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 no. Act upon it. Be a doer of the word of God. He closes with this. To God alone wise. To God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. So you mean to tell me that if I trust in the wise God, I trust in the prophetic scriptures, I know the word of God, that I can bring glory to God? Only way. It's the only way. I said it's the only way to bring glory to God. You know what you were created for? What this was written for? His glory. Your purpose your lifelong purpose, the fulfillment of your life was meant to glorify God. This scripture was meant to support you and help you to know him and to fulfill it. You're part of what needs to come to pass in people's lives and even in your own life. So all I'm going to ask this morning is three things. If you need to be saved, born again, ask Jesus Christ in your life. Just a moment, I'm going to welcome you to come to the altar. Pray with you. The other two things is this. One, will you read a scripture? Will you, will you handle the word of God correctly, not deceitfully? Will you, will you spend time with the word of God? Will you make a commitment to know scripture? Listen to me. Don't worry about the power of God. You know scripture, the power of God stuff will come itself. That's why I was said after knowing scripture. And then the last thing I would ask you, if you'd respond to this morning, to be a doer of the word to be a doer. If any one of those three locates you and finds you, why don't you come stand in the altar so I can pray with you? Why don't you make that journey down here? Come stand with your brothers and sisters. We're going to pray in this area. We're going to pray for salvation. We're going to pray for commitment to the Word of God and obedience to the Word of God. Come on. You don't have to be a member of the, of the well to come down. This is responding to the Word of God. The greatest point of a service, the most important part of a service is the response. As I said to those that are already way down in the journey, there, there's more freedom. He said, continue the word. He didn't say arrive to a certain point and you know this and know that. Perhaps somebody's going to commit to new Bible memorization maybe to a new Bible reading plan. Matter of fact, starting tomorrow, we're going to start reading the book of Luke as a church. The book of Luke. Just start going through it. Come on in a little bit tighter. There's some others that want to join you. We sang it earlier. I'm not going to leave the same way. We're going to be word hungry. Amen. 
going to know the scripture. Anybody else wants to join you, welcome to join. It's when your desperation factor exceeds your embarrassment factor and become a prime candidate for a move of God. I would hope that everybody in here would fall in love with the word of God. Make a commitment to the word. And you'd see scripture fulfilled in your life. Oh, you're going to run into scriptures in the next few weeks. You're like, oh my goodness, I didn't know this was in the Bible. It's been there. It's going to become your promise in his fulfillment in your life. Every head bowed. You hear this morning saying, pastor, preacher man, I need to be saved. I need to be born again. I want to give my life to Jesus and ask Jesus to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I need, a, I need to be rescued. I need help. And I want him to be a, come the Lord of my life. If I ask you, just lift your hand up above your shoulder somewhere. Yes. Anybody else? Wonderful. We're going to pray this together. Lord Jesus, today, you. Forgive me of my sins. Clear me of my faults. Heal me of all my wounds. And I ask you today, come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Lord Jesus, I love you and I put my faith in you. And I will trust you and I will obey you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. I trust that you are encouraged and inspired by the Word of God today. Once again, I want to say thank you for joining us on this podcast. It's very important that after you receive the Word of God to make sure it gets sealed in your heart. I'd like to do that with you. I'd like to pray with you that we could tuck it away in our hearts and that we let the Word of God have free course, move swiftly in us, and it would glorify God. You know, the Word of God is a seed. You can expect results out of it. You can expect fruit out of it. You can expect something to be produced. Again, I'm so thankful that you joined us. Now allow me just a moment to pray with you. Father God, we come to you in the wonderful name of Jesus, the Word of God Himself. And I thank you for the Word that has been heard. I thank you for the Word that has been received. And Lord, now I ask that it gets covered up and it gets protected and locked and lodged in our hearts, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would water it. I pray that you would nurture it, that you would bring the light and revelation that it needs. And I pray that it produce good fruit in each and every heart that has received it today. I ask this in Jesus' name. I do this at the end of every service at the church. I want to do it with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And may the Lord find great delight in you. And may you find great joy in him. May the Lord provide for you. May the Lord protect you. And may the Lord give you peace, peace. God bless you. Thanks for joining us.